0: This is the Jerry Callahan Show. What a wild weekend! I don't even know where to begin. We have the uh, wildest ending to an NFL game I've ever seen. I've watched a few NFL games, uh, and the, the nation rejoices as the New England Patriots revert to their uh, I don't know their old time self and just self destruct and the whole country's laughing at them. We'll, uh, we will review. If you haven't seen it, you must see it. You got to hear it. You just won't believe it. I still can't believe what I saw. Uh, Elon Musk put out a poll, said, do you want it? You want me out? Do you want me to step down as a chief twit? And it didn't turn out well for uh, the Musk man. I'm not sure. It wasn't part of the plan all along, but it was just an unbelievable weekend on Twitter. Uh, We got proof the FBI colluded with Twitter. We have we have just an out of control Department of Justice pressuring Twitter, pressuring all the social media companies to censor any wrong think. This is a frightening time, man. It really is. The media of course is ignoring it. Most of the people Musk uh, suspended from Twitter have been reinstated. We got crazy Keith Oldman ranting. I'm not sure uh, Twitter's ever going to recover. Keith Oldman said he was going to advertise on Twitter. He was going to spend $500 and he decided not to. Uh Oh, Musk is in trouble now. Uh, The Boston Globe has its Bostonians of the year. And one of the honorable mentions is, is the uh, people of Martha's Vineyard for, (laughs) for donating their used underwear to those migrants from Venezuela and then kicking them off their Island after 36 hours, Argentina wins the uh, world cup. Congratulations. But I just couldn't enjoy it because I I read the Washington post and the Washington post said, Argentina doesn't have enough black players. (laughs) I know that really that that just ruined my enjoyment of the whole thing. And uh, Tom Cruise wants to thank everybody for uh, watching uh, Top Gun Maverick, and uh, he did it while jumping out of an airplane. I'm not sure I've ever seen an actor more committed to his craft than Tom Cruise. And there was just so much more in the NFL yesterday. I, I, I know I say this all the time, but man. What an entertaining sport. What a crazy weekend. We will do our best to review and recap on today's Callahan show brought to you by Omaha Steaks. This is it, folks. This is your chance to check off that uh, tough-to-buy gift this Christmas. Omaha Steaks. Here's what you do. You go to omahasteaks.com, use code word Jerry, and you get a big discount. Uh, Omaha Steaks has everything you need to give a gift that's simply perfect they get this assortment of mouth watering favorites, including the Butcher's Cut filet, the air-chilled uh boneless chicken, ultra juicy burgers, which are my favorite. Don't wait. Order today and beat the shipping rush. Go to allmastakes.com. Uh, use promo code Jerry at checkout. Um, you get uh let me let me make sure I have this right, because it's just an unbelievable offer. Uh, 50% off site-wide and when you use code word Jerry at checkout, you get an extra $40 off. You cannot beat that. It's a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. You can order with complete confidence knowing you're ordering the very best. Go to OmahaSteaks.com, 50% off uh, site-wide and uh, use promo code Jerry, get an extra $40 off. Minimum order may be required. And don't forget, once you're done with ordering your Omaha Steaks, you can order some Callahan coffee at CallahanCoffee.com. Well, we're going to try to keep this under an hour. That's what we try to do. It's going to be tough. This was just such a crazy weekend. So much going on. Um, I was all set. All set, had all kinds of things, all kinds of plans for this show and then uh, Jacoby Myers tried to lateral the ball across the field to the wrong team. And I, I, I here's the way I look. I've watched probably every single Patriots game for 40 years. I, I don't, I, I'm not sure I missed a snap. I mean, much of it was uh, watching the best team in the NFL, the best team ever. And it was and watching Tom Brady's whole career. You just marveled at the efficiency the way they they just they were smarter, they were tougher, they were better prepared than the other team. It's not the case anymore. I I I I wonder if people who don't who aren't fans, aren't football fans, aren't sports fans, um, they just miss that. Did they just not? Did, if, if you're not a a fan, a sports fan, what were you doing, man? You just missed the wildest ending. And I sat there and said. It, here's why it is so compelling. You will see something you've never seen before. I have never seen this before. I've never seen it in high school. I've never seen it in college. And this is the NFL. This is the greatest coach in NFL history. This is the greatest Dyna franchise in NFL history. <clears throat> and they made a mistake, a blunder, a bonehead, a brain cramp like I've never seen before. I honestly was just watching it going, did that just happen? I was tweeting. <laughs> did I just, I, 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 don't believe what I just saw. If you, and I assume most people, uh, listening, watching along with us, uh, saw it, heard it. <laughs> uh, most Patriots fans were just blown away by this. And I don't blame them because it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a football game. I'm, I was trying to come up with dumber dumber things. Leon Lett once returned a fumble for a touchdown and uh, was celebrating, I don't know, on the one-yard line, had the ball knocked out of his hands um, at the goal line. Mike Haynes, one of my favorites when I was a kid, once spiked the ball before he reached the end zone. He picked off a pass, returning for a touchdown, and then uh, spiked it over the back of his head. Uh, over his head, uh, as he re- like on the one or two yard line. Things I, I'll never forget. That's nothing. I believe that was a preseason game. This is a game the Patriots against the Raiders, where they're fighting for their playoff lives. They're they're fighting to stay out of the last place. It changes everything. They went into the game, I believe, with a sixty four percent chance of making the playoffs. They now have a twenty two percent chance. They are seven and seven. This was it. This was the end of the season for Bill Belichick and the Patriots, this was them throwing it all away on a desperation lateral that never should have been thrown. And by the way, no one will answer whether the coaches told Ramondre Stevenson, who ran the ball and made the initial lateral to to Jacoby Myers. No one will answer whether he was told, do not lateral, do not take any chances, go down, go out of bounds. He wouldn't say, the coach wouldn't say, well, if uh, I, 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 are we supposed to assume he was coached correctly and told don't do this, I mean, if if he wasn't, that's on them. That's on the. If he wasn't, if he wasn't told don't lateral, then this is on the coaches because in, you've you've seen plenty of lateral plays in, in desperation time at the end of the games. Almost always, it's a team that's trailing, so have nothing to lose. This is a team that was tied going against. Uh, a, 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 a bad Raiders team, a bad Raiders coach, and if they went to overtime, the Patriots would have been heavily favored. That's my opinion. Raiders, Raiders suck. Uh, let's be honest. The Raiders. This was an amazing stat. The Raiders are and were, were 0 o and four by leading by double digits at when leading by double digits at halftime. Mm-hmm. O and four, That's four times they blew double digit halftime leads. They were leading 17-3 to three in the half of this one, and they blew it. And they, should, by all rights, should have gone home, should have uh, lost this game. The idea that you lost this game to that Raiders team is humiliating. The way you lost it is beyond humiliating. And uh, I don't even know – I mean, I asked this question on Twitter. What, what was the point of running – you got 60 yards to go. What was the point – a running a draw play with Ramonde, Ramondre Stevenson. Gotta hate his first name. I stumble over it every time. What was the point of handing off and having him run up the middle? Was it to score? Because the chances of that happening are very slim. Was it to have one of these crazy lateral plays? Well, if it was, then it's on the coaches. So I think the play call, whether he was told not to lateral or not, was stupid, and that is bad coaching by a team that is just – not well coached, not, not as bad as the Raiders, but not well coached. I'm going to give you another before we get to the play, a stat that just blew my mind. Bill Belichick, when coaching his former assistants, 14 and 16, one of his last eight, he's one in seven in his last eight games against former assistant coaches. Man, you watch this, you see this and you say, wouldn't it have been a good time to step down like after last season or maybe after two seasons ago? Because the greatest coach of all time looks like a chump today. He not only and, and by the way, I understand it's Bill Belichick. But the idea that you can't answer a simple question about what happened on the last play is just arrogant. And, 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 and he, and he should have. A given people, I mean, these people devote their lives to watching and rooting for the Patriots. They they wouldn't mind an explanation, Coach. I know that's asking a lot, but they wouldn't mind an explanation. And uh, there were lots of problems, lots of bad coaching decisions, and lots of bad football from the Patriots and their quarterback, by the way, who looked terrible uh, all game and but never as bad as he did on the last play. <laughs> God, was it humiliating. Being being Mac Jones right now is is humiliating. It is. You're the quarterback of this team as it circles the drain. You have to make the tackle on Chandler Jones. I I can't help but think that uh, he should have made that tackle because he knew the situation. He knew he had to grab a hold of an ankle and hold on for dear life. He could not let Chandler Jones, if harm him to the ground, you can't, the game is on the line. And he was thrown down, pushed down like a rag doll. And it was humiliating. We'll get to Mac Jones and how bad he was, but uh, let's get to the play. If you haven't seen it, well, there's two plays that had the uh, captured the imagination of the whole country. And it still is. I mean, I'm watching shows this morning, all the, the ESPN shows and get up and all that's all they're doing is, is mocking and ridiculing the New England Patriots, and the Patriots deserve it. But last play, game tied. Patriots have the ball. They're on their own uh, 42, no, uh, yeah, 43. Um, and they hand it off up the middle. Again, they don't have time for a field goal. They don't have time for another play. What's the point of running up the middle as opposed to taking a knee? Either you heave it long, and Belichick said, Mac Jones could not throw it to the end zone, which is fifty-seven yards, uh, maybe sixty yards. But he could try, and he could certainly get it close. And you could hope for a pass interference. At least that, that has some logic to it. This has no logic to it, running up the middle. But Stevenson runs up the middle, gains big chunk, gains what did he gain? Thirty yards. Yeah. Before, a laddering it, lattering it to, to Jacoby Myers, and I have to say, in real time. I was thinking about this, not the catch by Chandler Jones, but I was thinking about fumbling. You, you keep lateral on the balls, and it, we've seen this before. You fumble it, the defense picks it up, runs it back. We've seen that a few times over the years, but invariably or always it's a team trailing. They don't have anything to lose. It's not a team that is tied and heading to overtime against an inferior opponent. That's what makes this so stupid. But can you play it? You want to play it? Let's yeah. go.
1: Mac Hollins out on defense.
0: He's all the way back. Uh, Stevenson. Is anyone going to. inside it? the 30. Flips it back. Stanford Band nowhere in sight.
1: oh It's picked off. Oh. Oh, no. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Incredible. Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders. <laughs> Stanford band nowhere in sight is an no. unbelievable on the fly call. That's
0: a good line. He's good. Kenny Albert, his partner, Jonathan Vilma, is the worst color man, the worst football analyst I've ever heard in my life. He was on the, on the brink of ruining my viewing experience. Cause he wouldn't shut up. He got in my head and I'm like, shut up. He doesn't say anything insightful, anything worthwhile. He is terrible. The only thing that's keeping him from being the worst analyst on TV is Mark Sanchez did the uh, Bills Dolphins games on Saturday night, and he is even worse. But God, is Jonathan Vilma awful. I'm yelling at the screen saying, just shut up. He just had every damn cliche and whatever. You got to run the ball and you got uh, to just just an awful, awful analyst. And I felt bad for Kenny Albert, but you're right. That was a good call. Um, it was an incredibly stupid move on the part of Jacoby. He'll never live it down, by the way, never. He will live, he, he could be a 10-time pro bowler, and he'll always be the guy who threw it to the defense in a tie game on the last play. Right there, I'm sorry. I You know, Mac Jones is a quarterback, I understand, outweighed, out out outmanned out, out there, but he's got to grab an ankle and hang on. He has got to do better than that. An absolute embarrassment on so many levels, including the coaches who would not, take responsibility. Wouldn't say we told him, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess we're left to speculate. Whether we was told not to lateral or not, we don't know. But it was an amazing, as, as he was doing that, I was thinking, they're going to keep lateral until it hits the ground. And there's always a chance that the defense could pick it up and run it back. So I wasn't shocked that they blew it on this call. I was shocked that he threw it right to him. Watch how far away he is from getting it to Mac Jones. I mean, he's literally you know, six yards away from his target and right into the hands of the defender who tosses Mac Jones down one Patriot chasing it, by the way, Hunter Henry, where's everybody else? They give up on the play. I mean, there's always a chance this could happen. Watch, watch how many Patriots are not even trying to to pursue on this. They're just standing around. And again, they were probably thinking we're not doing that lateral thing. That, that was, (laughs) that was a spur of the moment decision but it was just humiliating. And I'll tell you what else was really strange as someone who's watched Patriots games for forever. Just about all of them is the call in the end zone on the, on the catch by Cole, uh, the the touchdown, the last touchdown. the Patriots gave up two touchdowns in the last 36, 32 seconds. But I was shocked at this for a couple of reasons. First of all, the Raiders suck. Uh, secondly, uh, it was a, they went to replay, they, they they score the touchdown, they go to replay, they spend a half an hour reviewing the replays, and he's clearly out of bounds from all the replays we saw. Clearly, his foot is on the end line, and I'm saying that's always overturned. When you see it and they're touching the edge, you're touching the white, it's overturned, always. In this case, apparently they had some other angle, and I just tweeted out a photograph this morning from the Las Vegas review journal where it's closer. You can't really tell if the toes hit in the end, but every replay we saw, which I always assumed was some of the same replays they see in New York and they see under the hood showed the toe touching the end line. They didn't get the call. Now I'm just going to say that means um, the Patriots percentage with big calls, close calls, controversial calls, is now like 99% in their favor over the last 20 years. They have won games, they've they've gotten breaks, they've gotten gotten lucky, they've gotten almost all the calls over the Belichick-Brady years, let's be honest. This shocked me. Oh, there's the picture, by the way. I can't tell in that picture. Oh, that's definitely over the line. Okay then then I'm wrong. Then I'm wrong. That's over the line. They're all over the line. Every picture, every angle shows him touching the end line, shows him out of bounds. I I'm I, I nothing is as shocking as watching Chandler Jones run it back, but that the fact that that didn't get overturned just blew my mind. And they we got the pull report from uh from the officials saying whatever was too close to call, you couldn't overturn it. Really? It looked pretty obvious that his toe was touching the white, but they call stands, the score counts, the Patriots get screwed, the Patriots choke, the Patriots blow it. All these things we never saw, never said over the last 20 years. It was just remarkable turn of events. They're 7-7 uh, uh, they, they're, they're seven and seven now, tied with the Jets, uh, on the cusp, in the hunt, whatever you want to call it. Now they're on to Cincinnati, which – if Belichick had any sense of humor, he would have stepped up to the podium and said, "We're on to Cincinnati." He didn't say that because he has no sense of humor and uh, he doesn't care, uh, you know, about the media. But uh, and, and you know, doesn't have any respect for them or the fans. By the way, it would have been nice to hear a little explanation from the coach. But uh, hey, can't expect that from a guy making 20 million a year. Uh, but it was such a wild day in the NFL. Tom Brady lost his eighth game. And he he lost it, man. He fumbled, he threw picks, he sucked. That's the first time he's ever lost eight games. (laughs) Uh, The Bills beat the Dolphins on Saturday night in a wild game. The Vikings came back from 33-0 to beat the Colts. And Matt Ryan, the biggest loser in sports, the Jaguars walked off with a pick six against Mahomes in Kansas City. Just a crazy day. Nothing compares to the way the Patriots Game and season ended. I know they still have a chance, a 22% chance, according to Steve Carnegie or whatever his name is from NBC, had the big board out giving us the percentages. I don't believe it. I believe this cut their heart right out. And no one has any faith in Belichick and his staff in New England right now. They're watching this and, man, we have just lost it. This is just, uh, not. this is, you know, back to, Back to the old days. It's just uh, a sad sack team with a, with a QB, by the way, who went 13 for 31 for 112 yards, didn't get sacked, barely got hit. And he goes 13 for 31 for 112. He has uh, regressed. He is not a good quarterback right now. And uh, as a couple of people said on Twitter, Bailey Zappi would have made that tackle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Oh, man, it was just I, I love, you know, I'm, I've, I've, you know, when, if I was a kid watching this, I would have cried because I lived and died with the Patriots. But, you know, I'm a jaded old man and I just like to be entertained. I like to see things I've never seen before. So I guess I was glad I was in my seat for that because I've never seen that before. And uh, I don't think much of Patriot nation in New England has never seen anything like it. They're in shock. They're stunned. Not just because their quarterback stinks and the team is not smart, but they're a bad coach team. Good point by Bucks uh, box eating Dead. Cam Newton definitely makes that tackle. Tom Brady makes that tackle. <laughs> Mac Jones just is just as he's it's. And I guess I give Jonathan Vilma credit for one thing. He kept pointing out how, emotional he is Mac Jones always to control his emotions and it's true he's just so he runs so hot that he can't that he, he can't expect him to calm down everyone around him which is a quarterback's job when you're in the huddle in those big moments obviously he's got talent but he's slow he's he's slow he's almost as slow as Tom Brady and, and getting out of the pocket and he didn't make smart decisions and he didn't make the tackle. It's going to be tough for uh Mac Jones to bounce back from that. And for Jacoby Myers, of course, but, and obviously the coaching staff, it was humiliating, humiliating day, which you know what that is around the country. That is a great day. That's the rest of the country. They're like Argentina, man. They're getting in their cars and honking their horns and waving their flags. They're delirious because they've been watching The Patriots win games like that for so long. It must be just a joyous Monday in much of the country. And I don't blame them. It's been, it's been, the Patriots have been dominant for so long. Belichick, as I've said many times, he can be, you know, dour and arrogant and dismissive of the media and the fans. If he's winning at works, you can do it. You can, people laugh when you say on to Cincinnati and things like that. When you're winning, when you're losing and you're not coaching well, it, it's not so charming anymore. So he's going to get whooped by, uh, you know, the talk shows and the pundits out there and, uh, you know, the Colin Cowherds and the Shannon Sharps and 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 Tony Dungy's are just going to enjoy the hell out of watching Belichick uh, come crashing down to earth. And can you blame him? I don't think so. Can you blame him? It's... Uh, it was just the wildest 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 day. The NFL is the best the most entertaining product. I mean not besides the Harry and Megan uh uh documentary on Netflix which Ironhead watched in its entirety took notes and he's going to give us a full review maybe not today. We have so much today. You uh I'm going to let you do that at some point. I'll let you give a complete review, ups and downs, give you you know, give it a grade. You devoted how much time over the weekend to Harry and Megan? I think, uh, like five and a half hours. I think it was. You're kidding. Well, well, good, good. I'm glad you did it. That was your assignment. Mine was to listen to Keith Oldman and he did not dis, unlike the Patriots, Keith Oldman did not disappoint. This was such until the, you know, the Patriots blew that game. I was just enthralled with Twitter, uh, the whole Twitter melodrama over the weekend. Elon Musk, as I say every day, is an American hero. He is. He he put his money where his mouth. He, he he put up forty four billion dollars, essentially to restore free speech to the platform, and he's done it. And uh, he might not be there for long because he put up a poll and he lost. But it was everything we suspected is true. And just because that we're moving on to Twitter now, just because. The mainstream media is so corrupt and so dishonest. It doesn't mean this is not the biggest scandal of our time. It is. If you missed it, I'm, I'm going to get to the poll. But if you missed it, Friday nights Twitter. There was a a a, a drop on a, a Twitter file drop on Friday night. It was the most uh, newsworthy, most explosive one yet. And of course, uh, you know they'll be mocking it and, or ignoring it, most of the media, but it confirmed, as we all suspected, that the FBI was colluding with uh, Twitter to suppress fee- free speech, to censor people, including people with no followers who were just making jokes. There was one person they wanted flagged or, or suspended who joked that the Democrats vote Wednesday. That's an old joke. I got in trouble, by the way, one time. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, we were on the air before an election. I was with my uh, old partner, John Dennis, and we were joking. And I said, Oh, big news this year. Republicans vote Tuesday. Democrats vote Wednesday. this It's an old joke that, I mean, some Democrats are, I guess, vulnerable to that. I don't know, but it, uh, uh, they reported us. They called, they report, I don't know who, who report us, but they called the secretary of state Bill Galvin in Massachusetts and our bosses were all concerned. Like, Oh, we're in trouble. We're going to lose our license. And that's, you know what? I was, uh, I was uh, ahead of the curve on a number of things. I was ahead of the curve. I was uh, I, I was um, warned by the secretary of state. He was pretty, Pretty cool about it. He sent like an email or a letter, I forget not remember, uh, saying, uh, you know, we've they've been told we did this. It's wrong. You shouldn't do it. Just don't do it again. And then he made a comment, said, tell those knuckleheads not to do it again. And we we were off the hook. I was also canceled for mocking a uh, a family who, who turned their four-year-old uh, son into a girl or girl into a boy. I forget the t- details, but that's a story for another day. But... <laughs> Someone did that with like three followers. They made a joke about Democrats vote Wednesday and the FBI pressured Twitter to ban or censor them. They're so, they were so petty, but here's the frightening thing. Again, every, everything you heard from the, the, the left, from the media, you know, from uh, you know, MSNBC and NBC, and New York times, it was all a lie. Everything you were warned about from the, from the right, from actual free speech advocates, all our fears have come true. The FBI had 80 agents, 80, 8-0, assigned to this task force. And the task force's job was to meet regularly with the social media companies and tell them who to censor, who to ban, who to flag. Anyone who spoke out against the regime uh, was in danger here. This is the largest federal law enforcement agency and this is how they were spending their time. So you know those school shooters or, uh, that that always they were always on their radar before they shot up the school, or shot up the mall. They can wait. They can wait. There's somebody joking about election day, or making fun of Joe Biden, or or, or, or tweeting about Hunter Biden's laptop. And the FBI was had people in in San Francisco pressuring that this is this is puts a lie to that. That that argument you heard from one side that it's a private company they can do what they want. No, quite the contrary. It's not a private company. It was, in the words of Matt Taibbi, who did this Twitter file dump on Friday, it was a master canine relationship. <laughs> the the master, the FBI, was telling the F- the, the uh, Twitter what to do, and Twitter was so full of you know woke authoritarian. Uh, People who hated everything about Trump, Trump followers, Trump supporters, they hated everything about anything on the right. They did as they were told. They did as they were instructed. If you haven't read the thread from Friday night or stories, recaps, you're missing out because this is the smoking gun. This is mind boggling, a, a, a master canine relationship and just list some of the. Twitter accounts that they wanted flagged, and we're just little people, nobodies, and again, making jokes or just sarcastic. Just keep in mind, uh, there's there's a couple of things to keep in mind. They banned the sitting president of the United States after he said he wouldn't intend the inauguration. We know they he violated no rules. They just decided because they hate him to ban the president. They banned you know all kinds of doctors, scientists who questioned you know, the vaccine or the masks, people, smart people who had something to offer. We have yet to see the Fauci files. We think they're coming and they're going to be damaging, to say the least. They're going to be explosive. That's why Musk tweeted, prosecute Fauci. Musk uh, tweeted over the weekend, he said, much will come to light as Fauci loses power. Those are coming. Those are going to be big. And we're going to, the whole country will realize just what a snake Fauci is, but no one will cover it. They'll mock it. They won't even, you know, they won't be on, they won't even be in the news from New York times. They'll ignore it because they're part of it. They're in on it. That's why it's even bigger scandal than we ever imagined. You know, they're, they're, they're supporting this. They wanted them to, uh, they wanted Twitter to do the bidding of the FBI, the federal, a federal law enforcement agency. I don't think people quite grasp the, 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 the sinister nature of this, the, just the diabolical nature that you're working on first on the behalf of a campaign, Biden's campaign, and then on the behalf of a Biden presidency to censor speech. It's illegal. It's immoral. It's it's all that. And they did it anyway. And then they put out a statement saying, oh, we were afraid of foreign actors, foreign influences. That's a lie. So they're 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 spying on Americans, censoring Americans and then lying about it, claiming they were looking for a foreign nefarious foreign influences. That's not true. Um, I do want to say. Then I'm, I'm enjoying the Musk's tenure at Twitter for a number of reasons, but a lot of people, now he, re, he reinstated most right-wingers and doctors and politicians, uh, and then he suspended a bunch of left-wingers claiming they were doxing him. And there was some debate about this. There was some ambiguity there. Uh, they were all reinstated in a matter of, what was it, a day, two days New York Times guy, the Aaron Rupert, uh, the Johnny Sullivan from CNN. It was a big deal Friday, Thursday night into Friday. They were all reinstated. Even Keith Oldman, Crazy Keith, was reinstated. And then you had people debating, did they really dox him? Did they really violate the rules? He suspended Taylor Lorenz, which was beautiful, for a day for past offenses, because she's the king, queen of the doxers. She doxed the uh, libs of TikTok she doxes anybody. It's her job to dox people to turn the turn the gangs the, the mobs against her enemies and enemies of the Washington Post and previously the New York Times. But lots of people on the right or lots of free speech advocates were criticizing Musk for doing this, for banning suspending some left wingers because you know he's supposed to be a free speech absolutist, and it's some question where they actually broke the rules. Can I just say? for the record i don't care i applaud this i love this these are people who made the rules they they and supported the rules of the previous previous regime they suspended people as we know arbitrarily just because they didn't like them because they supported trump they suspended consider this this could be the most egregious one of all and i'll i mentioned it before i mentioned it again the press secretary for the sitting president, Donald Trump's press secretary, Kaylee McEnany. She took the New York post story, which was 100% true about Hunter Biden and the Biden family. She sent it by DM to somebody else said, check this out on a direct message, which you think is she got her account suspended for that, for DMing a story privately to a friend did any of these journalists at the New York Times or CNN or Keith Olman or Donny Sullivan, any of them speak out, uh, speak out against that, criticize that? I, I don't I'm not going to you know, fact check it for certain, but I guarantee you they did not. They didn't care that they suspended these these respected doctors who might question Fauci, including Peter McCullough and Robert Malone. They didn't care. Jay Bhattacharya, they didn't care that journalists were suspended, politicians, they did not care. They didn't speak out against it. They were all in favor of the capricious, arbitrary banning and suspending of their political enemies. And we're supposed to defend them? I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. I don't care. Suspend them all. Make them sweat. Make them feel, make them realize how it feels to be suspended unfairly and quieted and, and, and shut down. They, they all got reinstated in a day or two anyway. I think Musk did it to, just to show them. Here's how it is. How do you like it? And I'm all in favor of that. I loved it. I, I think he should have left Keith Oldman, you know, suspended a little longer. Maybe let Taylor Lorenz stew for a week or two. But I'm, I'm all in favor of teaching him a lesson. But uh, before we get to uh, before we get to uh, crazy, let's let's do the poll. Let's do the poll because Musk put this up here over the weekend. He said he would stand by the results. Should he step down? Put it up there. Seventeen and a half million votes. That's my favorite thing about his poll questions. Man, they show up and they vote. Seventeen and a half million votes. He loses overwhelmingly. 57.5% 57.5% say yes, he should step down. 425 say no. Um, He says he will abide by the results of the poll. See, I think he knew there was a chance he'd lose and he's stepping down anyway. He was over the weekend. He is a busy man. I've said this before. He didn't need this fight. He certainly didn't need this job of running Twitter. He's, you know, he's, He's got Tesla, which is kind of a big deal. And he's got SpaceX. And he was tweeting over the weekend about successful launches of his rockets. And I'm saying that's really his part-time job, launching rockets into space and and trying to get to Mars. He's doing, doing that on the side while running Twitter. So I think he wants to step down, step away. And I think he probably has someone in mind to take over as chief twit. A lot of suggestions over the weekend. Donald Trump was the most popular one, of course, but uh, Blake Masters is one that people threw out there. There's a lot of people who, you know, there's there's been a few polls. Who would you like to see as the next CEO or the next chief twit? I don't know, but it'll be a must guy. So I I have a feeling the heat will be off him as he moves back to Tesla or SpaceX, and his replacement will become the lightning rod, which is fine as long as he keeps up a similar. Uh level of transparency and honest. I oh, don't know, we don't want Jared Kushner. That's another thing that raised all the questions because Musk went to the uh, that little soccer game they had yesterday in uh, Qatar. Mm-hmm. Musk was there. I mean, I understand it's a big event, but can you imagine he's in San Francisco up to his eyeballs in Twitter business and he takes time out of the he takes the weekend and flies to Qatar, to Qatar for a soccer game and hangs out with Jared Kushner, <laughs> man, he, uh, he, his, his whole lifestyle is fascinating. Anyway, um, there were rumors about Jared Kushner being the guy. That can't happen. That would not go over big with my side. He's, he's not a popular guy, not known as a big uh, free speech absolutist. I would not like to see that, but I think whoever it is takes over will carry the torch from Musk, which would be good. I just want people who continue to drive, um, you know, the right people nuts to to make Taylor Renz cry, to make uh, (laughs) Keith Ullman lose it. So Keith, he's very happy to be lumped in on this. Again, these are people that shared the link to the account that tracked Musk's plane. He called it doxing. It sounds like doxing to me, and there were, uh, you know, real time results. He had some Antifa punk following his uh, his kid around and jumping on his car. That's that that that's my favorite part of one of I should say. There's a lot of good to uh, a lot of good craziness from uh, Oberman, but lots of people on Oberman's side were saying, "Hey, look, Musk doxed the Antifa guy." <laughs> what? Must talks the Adifa guy. Yeah, this is even better. This is even better. Again, we're going to get to Keith. Here's how the New York Times, one of their guys, New York Times people viewed this. This is, uh, I don't even know this guy, Farhad Manju, New York Times the opinion writer. Uh, He takes a clip from Fox News's Bill Malusian, the best reporter out there, one of the best. So Fox News has a drone. It covers the crossing, illegal crossing into Eagle Pass, Texas. You've seen some of these uh, videos from, from Texas, from Fox, from Bill Malusian. It shows the hordes of people, illegal aliens coming over the border, invading our country to, at, at the invitation of uh, our uh, lawless uh, Biden administration. So they do a report from there. They say, look at this drone. Look at all these illegal aliens p- coming across the Rio Grande. This is how the New York Times responds. Hey, Elon Musk, tell me why this is, (laughs) I can't read it without laughing. Tell me why this isn't real-time doxing. Fox News has a drone flying over people and reporting their exact location. Is that why you're saying, wow, because you're stunned at the violation of your policy? Musk responded to the report by just saying, wow. The New York Times is upset that Fox News is doxing illegal aliens who are crossing the border illegally and invading our country. And they think that's doxing. Yes. God, it's, it's, I, I, it's doxing right now. <laughs> right. Right now. That that's, that's a, I mean, this is again, the great gift he's done. He, well, First of all, he's exposed the corruption in the FBI and in Twitter and in the Biden administration. He's done one, he's done a great service for everybody for this country, but he's also driving all the right people nuts. That insanity from the New York Times saying you're doxing, does that mean all the videos we see like of guys throwing old ladies in front of subway trains or beating people up on the sidewalk or robbing, you know, Wawas wahs and, and, and uh, ransacking stores? Is that doxing? <laughs> if we show that video, <laughs> say, hey, look, there's a guy robbing a bank. Oh, wait, you can't dox them. Oh, the New York Times is such a joke, but let's get to Keith. Let's get to Crazy Keith. He responded as you'd expect, but there were some, uh, I I did my job, my homework. Uh, I guess Ironhead did his. His job was to watch Megan and and Harry. Mine was to listen to Crazy Keith respond to Musk's uh, banning him for a day or two. He really doesn't belong. The other people were like mainstream you know, hack journalists, quote unquote, New York Times, Washington Post, uh, Axios or CNN. Keith is just a nut. He's just a. I mean, he can't hold a job. He doesn't have a job. He does a uh, a podcast, I guess. And then he tweets. He was tweeting from his dog's account after his account got suspended. But this did him a favor. He was so happy to be lumped in and put at the top of Musk's enemy list. I was going to say, one of the clips I have is him being overjoyed that he got top billing on the uh, list of people suspended. Right. He was so happy, as I expected it would be. But he's just so nuts. He just goes off this, I don't know, 45-minute rant. I don't know what my favorite part was. He calls Musk dumb. I mean, you can hate Musk, you know, because Musk is exposing your friends, your corrupt, lying friends in the media. But I don't think I've ever heard anyone call him dumb. And he says, I don't know if you have this one that he his podcast was going to advertise on Twitter. They were going to buy an ad, an ad campaign on Twitter, five hundred dollars, and they pulled that sucker right out. Ooh, Musk thought he had some real revenue coming in, but no. <laughs> Keith Holdman says, "No, you're not getting our money, five hundred bucks." <laughs>
1: literally, literally musk has a tissue box with hundred dollar bills that he blows well, his nose with what does that with.
0: get you 500 why don't you look into that for me Ironhead? see what we can get on twitter for 500 bucks and oldman is proudly yanking that out rug, pulling that rug right out from under elon musk the guy paid 44 billion for the company by the way quick question i don't know the answer why do all these media people keep saying he overpaid it's a bad investment how, how do they know? I mean, how do you know? I mean, how do you know so soon that he's losing money, bad investment? I'd mean, say one of the favorite tropes on the left that he made a bad business move. I'm gonna guess when he said, "I'm gonna send a rocket to Mars," they had their doubts too. But he's uh, getting closer. But anyway, let's get to wacky Keith Olman on his podcast, uh, mm-hmm. taking just just going off because he'd been uh, suspended by Musk over the weekend. Go ahead. Hey, I don't know if this got any publicity anywhere, but apparently I've been permanently banned from Twitter by Elon Musk for not doing something he claimed he would never ban anybody for doing. What a friggin' candy-ass, lying, hypocritical, self-contradicting, little paranoid snowflake that Apartheid Clyde really is. And I was hardly the most important journalist or commentator who got it. Aaron Rupar, Donnie O'Sullivan, Ryan Mack. It's the baptism scene from the Godfather movie, and we all got whacked by Don Elon Musk Leone. For a moment last night, I thought, you know, he did this just so we'd all forget about Donald Trump's stupid baseball cards from yesterday. Let me talk about that, too. Plus, Thurber's The Catbird Seat and much more on the Friday Countdown podcast, now available wherever you get your freaking podcasts, (laughs) except Twitter, because you know... Oh God. He's, <laughs> honestly, he's not. He's, he's a liar, by the way. He's he, you know, he uh, Musk's family was doxxed and he called, you know, talking to whatever, talking about Musk being dumb. And he calls like Glenn Greenwald, a fascist, you know, right-wing fascist. I mean, just, he just takes everything completely to the extreme. Tell me you wouldn't watch that. Tell me he wouldn't get, I don't know, five times the ratings that Joy Reid gets or that uh, Lawrence O'Donnell gets on the CNN. If you just threw this, a camera on that nut for an hour a night, you don't even need a script. Just go nuts, go nuts screaming about Trump, screaming about, he does, he does like a half an hour analyzing Trump's digital trading cards, which again are stupid. The whole idea that that was a major announcement was embarrassing for Trump, but he breaks the whole thing down. And it just goes on and on because Keith is a big baseball card collector. He was going on and on how they're worthless. Trump made four and a half million in one day selling those stupid cards. There's someone out there, but which is fine. He can make all the money he wants, but don't tell us you get a major announcement when it's about your friggin' stupid superhero cards. But all right, let's uh, let's move this. So I can do I could do the weekend on I could do the weekend of Elon Musk for six hours. It was just so right. eventful. But read up if you were out of the loop over the weekend. Problem is m- most of these Twitter file dumps have been on Friday nights, slow news time, but you got to read it to realize just how corrupt the FBI is. You got to read it to understand just the links to which they went to censor and suppress anybody who spoke out against the regime. It, we're not done yet. The Fauci files are coming and those might be the most explosive ones yet, but let's do Shea. And then we're going to congratulate the, uh, Ar- Ar- we got to congratulate Argentina winning the world cup, even though they don't have any black players, which is uh, the big issue here for the Washington post. And we have to congratulate the Boston globe's Bostonians of the year, those heroes on Martha's minion, but let's do Shea. This is uh, for you homeowners, and home builders out there. Did you know that shake Concrete Has a huge selection of precast concrete steps. Of course you did. I've been telling you about this. This is the best thing. I think it might be the best thing they do is their precast concrete steps. Whether you're building a new home or you need to replace an old staircase in an old home. Shea has great values with designs for any home. Available in concrete or you can customize the steps with beautiful stone, granite, or brick. A new staircase can dramatically upgrade the front, front entrance of your home. In most cases, they can remove the old stairs and have you walking up your new front steps within hours. Just like that, you call Shay, they come over, they take the old steps away, which, by the way, they're really heavy, that is a pain in the ass. They take the old steps away, they put the new steps, you can sit in the window with the AC cranking and watch it all happen, and when they're done, your house looks better, and it's worth more. This isn't an expense, this is an investment in your home. Check it out. You can learn more about Shay's precast concrete steps at ShayConcrete.com. and, by the way, you can also look for a job there. You can go to ShayConcrete or get on Shayconcrete.com. They're always hiring. It's a great company, a great place to work. Maybe it's time for you to upgrade your profession and go work for Shea. Check that out as well at shayconcrete.com. All right, let's move. We got to get to, uh, we, got, we got so much here. Um, we got to get to Tom Cruise too. I love this uh, Tom Cruise story. But first, let me congratulate to the, the folks at Martha's Vineyard. I mean, these are the real heroes. At the end of the year, we like to look back on the year. And, and, so, you know, look at the bright side, look at some of the, the real heartwarming human stories. And this is one, as you recall, Ron DeSantis sent 50 immigrants, illegal immigrants from Venezuela up to Mata's vineyard. And they, they let those strange Brown people stay for about 36 hours. They like slept in a church for a night and gave them some, uh, some gruel, you know, brought them some, uh, some of their, leftovers from the fridge that were getting a little moldy and uh, they fed the fo- uh, the poor folks in Venezuela for a day and then they kicked them off the island. They said, uh, that's enough. You don't belong here. If you're not going to, you know, if you're not going to uh, you know, cut our, trim our hedges and cut our lawns and do our laundry and clean our houses, we got no use for you. They kicked them out. Well, you would think it'd be embarrassing for these hypocrites. These are the ultimate least elitist liberals who talk a good game. It was a sanctuary island. That means it's a sanctuary for illegal immigrants. But no, they couldn't stay here. And that useful idiot, Charlie Baker, uh, did, did them a favor, sent the National Guard and dragged their asses off the island in 36 hours. Well, that was enough for the Boston Globe to declare them... <laughs> Honorable mention for Bostonians of the Year. <laughs> no, Boston's not racist. <laughs> oh, God, this was this is amazing. Bostonians of the Year. They were saluted by the Boston Globe. Now, I didn't uh, get to read it, but, uh, I mean, nobody reads it, but uh, our friend Tim Meese from uh, Daily Wire, he did a story on it just mocking them. They're uh, <laughs> serious. Talking about one of the uh, Martha's Vineyard people, Lisa Bel Castro had just finished teasing, teaching a karate class when she checked her phone and saw an urgent text. It was from a friend at the Martha's Vineyard Community Services, the island's safety net nonprofit. We have 50 Venezuelans here. We don't know why they're here or how they got here, but we have to take care of them. <laughs> uh, And then, whatever, a day and a half later, get off. At some point, they have to move on, said Bel Castro. We don't have the services to take care of 50 immigrants. We don't have the housing. We're in a housing crisis. This is an island full of empty houses, probably more empty houses than anywhere in the world per capita. And they kick those people off before they let them. Bed down for a night anywhere. The ultimate hypocrisy. These, it was embarrassing by any definition for these people, but they're honored. They were honored by the Boston Globe for the Bostonians of the year because they showed up and brought them some food, you know, Brought them, uh, bought them a pizza, gave them some of their leftover underwear and uh, all the socks they had with holes in it. Said, "Here, let's g- give it to these poor folks." Now get them off our island. <laughs> By the way, Bill Russell won Bustoni of the Year. He died. It's a, I don't know. I don't know what the criteria for this award is, but uh, it's almost comical. It is comical. <laughs> What did they do that was like, how did they go above and beyond? What did they do that was so humane <laughs> that earned them this award? But uh, it wasn't the most embarrassing uh, moment for a mainstream, once, once respected newspaper. That has to be the Washington Post. This is hilarious. Uh, big, big, big day for Argentina. They win the World Cup. It was uh, apparently a uh, riveting game. Uh, I didn't really care who won, but, uh, you know, Messi was out there and it was a big deal. I was walking around the city and there were caravans of cars waving Argentinian flags and honking their horns. seemed like nice people having a good time. So congratulations to them. Um, Although it is it comes with a big asterisk because. Here it is. The Washington Post is from the New York Post. The Washington Post was forced to issue a correction to an op-ed piece that lamented the absence of black players on the (laughs) Argentinian national soccer team, even though the black population of the country is less than 1%. (laughs) Here was the headline of the op-ed last week in the Washington Post. Why doesn't Argentina have more black players? What the hell? These people are insane. It's just obsessed. They watch a soccer game. Uh, this is the best team in the world. And they say they don't have enough black players. And they get the usual deal. Like, uh, Oh, the person who wrote it's an associate professor of Latin American history at the university of Texas, El Paso. So they found someone to write, you know, they, they have the conclusion they want. They just have to go find someone to write it. Look at this team, best team mm-hmm. in the world. They don't have any black players. Yeah. You know, they have lots of Argentinian players though. That's just weird. Uh, but they end up winning it. and the and the reason Washington Post had an issue of correction because they they claimed, what did they say that uh, the idea of Argentina as a white nation is inaccurate. And they said a longer history of black erasia at the heart is at the heart of the country's self definition I don't even know what that means, black erasia. But they want to know why there's not. <laughs> a higher percentage of black players on the best team in the world. I don't know. It just seems like it's really not a problem except for people at the Washington post op ed department. All right. I want to get to, you know what, do we have time? I want to do this because this is going to be big. And, and I have to give you credit, Iron Ed, you said this to me, which was shocking because usually you send me things that I read like a week ago, but you sent me this to last night. This is, uh, I want to get the Rachel Levine's sound. Because this is amazing. And we're gonna get more into this tomorrow. We gotta get to that Steve Robinson story about up in Maine where they're providing chest binders for confused young girls to to <laughs> flatten their chests and so they can pretend to be boys. It's a huge story. I think Tucker's gonna do it, by the way, tonight. But this is got this had better go viral because this this is your You know, you're the the most high-profile transgender individual. This is Rachel Levine, formerly Richard Levine of Wakefield, Mass. She was the, uh, he was the uh, Secretary of Health in Pennsylvania when she put a bunch of uh, COVID-positive patients in nursing homes, much like Andrew Cuomo did. The difference is Rachel Levine took his father out, I mean his father, his mother, out of the nursing home and put her in a nice hotel, his 95-year-old mother saved the mother's life, killed a bunch of other elderly Pennsylvanians, still got a job in the Biden administration because as you know, nothing matters in the Biden administration, but checking boxes. And they wanted to boast of their first transgender, whatever, three-star, four-star admiral. She played dress up one day and pretended to be an admiral. And that was supposed to be a a laudable thing. But uh, this is her, this is him. I'm not even sure where taking questions. You got to listen to why uh, Rachel Levine says he was glad he didn't transition till he was, I believe he was 53. He had wife, kids, whole deal, and 53 years old decided, I'm going to be a girl, and uh, it certainly didn't hurt his career. I'll say that, but listen to his explanation on uh, on transitioning and and why he was glad he waited till he was an old man before he became a woman go ahead
1: and then you know my transition was very different because for many reasons professional and mostly personal reasons i transitioned over 10 years right? most people don't take that long to transition first of all young people are not willing to do that anymore and you know i mean i don't know if i was 50, if i was 15 now i don't know if i would have taken so long but but Again, when I was 15, what were you going to say, and who would you tell, and how would you possibly express that? But um, so the, the language started about you know and that was now 20 years ago um, when I started when I kind of started this journey, and it was starting to become more in culture, in the internet, and support groups, etc. So um, uh, so I took a long time. Um, I don't regret uh, any, of that, any of that. But I have no regrets because if I transitioned when I was young, and I wouldn't have my children. I can't imagine a life without my children. And so every experience led me to the here. And, um, uh, and so how could I regret that?
0: Oh, my God. Do, do you hear that? Just let that sink in. He's glad he waited till his, he was in his 50s transition because he had children, and he can't imagine life without his children. This is the number one advocate for sterilizing children as part of their transition for surgeries for children who are confused about gender for top surgeries for girls and genital surgeries and, and mutilating kids permanently so they can never have children. That's that, that's this amazing uh, admission. Like he slipped up for a moment, had this brief moment of candor. Like I can't imagine not having kids. And then the next five minutes later saying we must protect, you know, healthcare for trans young trans kids. That means, surgeries and drugs and puberty blockers. That's amazing, an amazing admission. I think he did it by accident, but I hope that I hope that makes the rounds. I certainly hope that goes uh, viral because that tells you a lot. Like that guy today will be talking about we must uh give kids you know surgery, un, you know, children and whatever, various Respected hospitals, including Boston Children's, they must continue to perform surgeries on kids and give puberty blockers to kids and 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 uh, uh, make them infertile. Not uh, make it so they can never have kids. But me, I'm glad I had kids before I, you know, grew the hair out and and became a and became a star in the Biden administration. But all right, we got to leave it there for today. We 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 got lots more to get to. I'll get into it. I promise it's going to be a long week. We don't have a lot of days like this one with so much going on, but uh, what a crazy weekend. Anyway, we we'll get to, we have to get to Ironhead's uh, review of the Meghan and uh, Harry documentary. I can't wait for that. That's going to be good. Uh, but there'll be much, much more. Can't wait for the Fauci files to come out too. That's going to be good. And, uh, you know, Bill Belichick's on the hot seat. <laughs> it's getting warm. Uh, but we'll leave it there for today. Thanks to everyone for watching and listening. Thanks, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show, and we'll do it again tomorrow. my head thinking something Is it just me? Am I losing my the only one? Tell me I'm not.
1: Like the show? Leave a five star review on Apple and Spotify.